Hi everyone, welcome back to the Outliers podcast. I'm your host Pankaj Mishra and we are back with a new season of Outliers called the season of resilience. These are uncertain times and everyone is trying to cope with uncertainties, anxiety and so many unanswered questions. We thought we could be useful to all of you by doing a fresh series of conversations with Outliers and some new guests please stay safe and i really hope all of us get out of this stronger and more resilient thank you tonight's guest uh, with us who is deep nishar deep is uh, a senior managing partner at softbank's uh, vision fund uh he focuses on frontier tech and more importantly uh i think in in my career at least i have uh, watched uh, his roles at uh, linkedin uh, google and heard so many stories from many entrepreneurs about uh, the way uh, he leads uh, product teams and and so on so welcome to the podcast deep thank you pankaj and uh, i echo your sentiment that i wish these were uh, under better times and better circumstances uh, the world is undergoing a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty uh, and i hope that our conversation today uh, helps us move in the right direction yeah absolutely uh, deep let's uh, let's you know there's a lot of anxiety all around us now founders are really anxious uh, even professionals are anxious there's too much happening around us uh, to you know just jump into this conversation deep what do you think is going on uh, from where you see the world around you the biggest challenge i think we are facing today is that there is so much uncertainty and there is so much um still so much gap in the way we understand the situation and mm-hmm. human beings in general once we get over our initial disbelief at some negative scenario tend to be reasonably good problem solvers hmm. however in order to problem solve effectively we need to understand the parameters of the problem we are working with and here honestly every single day we hear new things about the virus uh, about how it spreads about how to treat it and there are a lot of unknown things so it's very difficult to go and problem solve so we are trying it is very squishy it's like trying to put jello in a box it is very very hard and i think mm. that hurts us uh the second thing that i feel that is going on is we tend to try and jump into problem solving without understanding fully our energy and our emotion of what we mm. are experiencing and uh, you know this is something i learned many many years ago when i was doing my startup uh, that eventually we had to shut down after 911 and it is so hard to first acknowledge reflect and understand our energy and emotion and then the same energy and emotion and what others around us are going through our teams our family members etc and this is why i think in this situation we are getting a lot of uh calls to action to tend to our own mental well-being along with our physical well-being 
it is so very important to do that it is important to you know call your mom talk to a friend about how you are feeling what what's going on and it's okay not to have all these answers the second thing is we have to acknowledge people's fears our own fears and then encourage resolve saying mm-hmm. we understand things are uncertain things are can be very bad but as franklin roosevelt once said you know the only thing we can fear is fear itself yeah and once we acknowledge that i think we can create a lot of resolve to try and solve the problem the best we can the other thing we have to do is to be brutally honest mm-hmm. both with ourselves and people around us and then give credible hope so uh, you know i still recall uh, about 3 and 1/2 weeks ago the governor of california which is the state in which i live uh, governor mm-hmm. newsom he came on tv to talk about the covid-19 crisis this was the first state governor anywhere in the us who came on tv to talk about it and one of the first mm-hmm. things he said and he was being brutally honest he said look 56% of californians could probably get infected with the virus now wow. california has 40 million people that's about 22 million people and he just came out and said it and you know if we were watching this in a public gathering i could have imagined like a complete you know oxygen would have been sucked out of the room when we heard that because that is huge if someone yeah. comes and tells you you know every other person around you could get infected by the virus that is harsh reality but he was brutally honest but then he gave us hope he said look but i am here to tell you how we can reduce that number and we will do shelter in place we will do social distancing we will gear up a production of personal protective equipment of ventilators we will increase our hospital facilities and i will do all of this and be transparent with you every single day that i think was one of the best examples of acknowledging how all of us feel around us and yet mm-hmm. being a leader being brutally honest and giving ourselves and giving you know the people around him credible hope hmm hmm no oh, that's very well said the actually uh, i i have heard about this uh, you know but uh, you know the way you tell it i think that that matters a lot deep you were also talking about the startup uh, that you were building and you know c- can you hand pick some of the lessons uh, in your career uh, where you had to uh, battle a crisis or lead a team in the middle of a disaster and hand pick uh, some of the key lessons that you learned and illustrate it you know of course when you had a long career and the body of experiences that uh, we've had uh, we would have gone through many crises and uh many challenges professionally and personally in our lives now you know even as i share uh, my experience with patkai uh, the software startup i had started uh, about 20 years ago with uh, a team of people i absolutely want to make sure that i'm in no way trying to compare those experiences with what we are facing as a world sure. together uh, because what we are facing is obviously very unprecedented unprecedented and at an amazing scale Uh, but yeah. perhaps you know my experience can uh, give uh, some hope uh, some guidance to folks and i sure. can i can tell you that you know when i reflect on those experiences i wish there were many things i could have done much better today 
so obviously everything didn't go uh, amazingly well at that point in time and i have since learned many things that i share uh, you know with my company and entrepreneurs i work with sure. every day um what happened was the following we had started this company uh, in the late 90s uh, mm-hmm. together to uh, mm-hmm. go address a very important problem in the b2b enterprise software space and then the big crash of 2000 happened in the stock market uh, we were still fortunate on the basis of uh, what we had built in beta product as well as the market we were going to address we were able to raise financing uh, and then you know we did the standard thing of raise enough money to get your first set of pilot customers and then we would go raise some more money to uh, take it full steam etc Now it turns out that between the time we got our first pilot customer and we had to go raise financing, 9/11 happened. Hmm. 9/11 was a big exogenous shock to the U.S. ecosystem. Everything froze. Everything yeah. froze. Right? People were not picking up their phones. People were worried about what was going on. This was the first large-scale terrorist attack in the West uh, in many decades, and definitely the first one on U.S. soil. and people went shocked they were in disbelief and as a result what ended up happening was uh, that our financing round disappeared as well as many deep strategic conversations we were having with fairly large technology companies in the valley and all of a sudden we went from a company that you know felt very confident and were hiring to a company that had to worry about how we would make our payroll in two months and that was a very difficult time and in the midst of it one of my co-founders uh, you know couldn't bear that stress and decided mm. that he was going to depart that is also mm. very difficult right it's yeah. during tough times that you all come together and uh, you know at that time i was upset with him uh, in retrospect mm. over the years i have come to terms with his decision and it was the best decision for him and what was going on with his life personally at that time yeah um but it was very hard and one of the things i realized and i spent a lot of sleepless nights during that time because i felt responsible not just for the company but the people in the company we had about 30 people and i yeah. knew each one of them personally i knew their families i knew you know an individual who had health issues and if you were to shut down wouldn't be able to get health coverage and what would happen to them we of people yeah. who had moved cross country and you know left everything behind to be with this company uh and you know help us move forward and it was a very very challenging time and mm. i tried to shoulder that burden myself and try to solve it for myself and i didn't remember the first thing i you know when we started this podcast i was talking about which is tending to my mm. energy and my emotions I looked at this as an engineering problem as an engineer and I tried to figure out the parameters saying okay I need funding I need to do a b c d and e I should go out I went on pitches I you know uh, I have to extend the runway what can I cut etc and those are all interesting problem solving techniques but what happened was that my energy and my emotion internally because I didn't acknowledge it were all bottled up and they came oh. out in very weird ways and they mm. came out sometimes in a very non constructive way and that was not mm. great the mm. second thing is i burdened all of it 
on my own shoulders and yeah. that's a mistake that's a mistake okay uh, i think you know real leadership is giving people a role and purpose we have to challenge yeah. our teams when we are faced with adversity we don't need to come up with all of the answers ourselves because if nothing else we have to encourage them to help others you know yeah help each other and even a small act of kindness gives one hope and gives one focus and that is another lesson that i have learned wow <laughs> this is this is really deep uh, deep i mean thanks for sharing this because uh, i i see that resonate with many many people not just founders yes it, it is definitely a key life lesson that i took with me uh, 20 years mm-hmm. ago so <clears throat> deep now you know uh, crisis uh, comes and, and and goes and of course uh, if you are building a startup or even you are building a career uh of course these events will happen how do you uh, come out of these experiences you know people are already talking about post covid world and then pre covid world now uh, as someone who's seen different cycles of disruptions as well as crises how do you come out sane on the other side uh, you know it it, it it's something that a lot of founders are now asking and uh, we all know how they get molded and remolded uh, each time but in your experience uh, of working with founders as well and in your own experience how do you think you can come sane on the other side i think you know it's a 12 step process unfortunately <laughs> uh, and let let me perhaps give you uh, three things that founders and individuals you know we can do personally and professionally right now Uh, that will help us come out on the other side uh, in a better place right and i don't mm. know what that other side looks like we we talk about post covid world and people have uh, you know we conjure up these images but until we experience it we will really not know what it means and uh, you know i am a jain and one of the principles of jainism is that truth is multidimensional the world mm. we will see post covid may be different than the world that the person living next to us uh you know the, the person who's our manager the person uh, who's coming and helping us in the household is going to experience because every other reality has changed fundamentally and the new reality will be very different for each one of us uh so first and foremost again i cannot emphasize enough at this point in time what we need to do both personally and professionally is tend to our energy and our emotion right and focus on our physical and mental well-being because if we are not fundamentally strong physically and mentally it's going to be very difficult for us to both address the challenges as well as the opportunities that happen on the other side the second thing is this is a great time for us to establish trust for mm-hmm. everyone in around us in our ecosystem uh, let's be mm-hmm. brutally honest but let's also give each other a rational basis for hope you know telling our teams telling our families that it'll it'll be okay that's not good enough and people still yeah. do it right we have to give them our rationale on why it will be okay and that mm. definition of okay can be different for different people but you yeah. know with honesty should come some rationale and then we want to establish our goals priorities and most importantly our values during this difficult time mm-hmm. and 
you know, companies talk about this all the time. Like, oh yeah, we have goals, we have priorities, we have mission statements, people have values. But it is during a crisis that we really test what those values are. Hmm. Rekindling them. And even as a family, even in our personal lives, you know, talking to each other and really hmm. within our family saying, what do we stand for? You know, this is a very hmm. difficult time. And if we don't understand what we stand for, it's very difficult very easy to devolve into something that's not a good situation. Understanding what the situation is, making sure, you know, and this is more probably relevant for a company, every company's situation will be different in this particular time. Developing the options, not just ourselves, but with the help of everyone around us. Understanding the outcomes of each option, executing against them, and then as new data comes along, we have to iterate on it. Because, you know, as new things are being known every day, people are changing their approach and their tactics. So this is iterative, agile problem solving. And I think, you know, especially in a company environment and in a smaller company that may not have a crisis plan already in place, this is Mm -hmm. super important to do. So, you know, Admiral James Stockdale uh, is known for something called the Stockdale Paradox. And he would say, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's really what we need to do uh, during the crisis, which then I believe positions us well when we come out on the other side. And we will come out on the other side. Uh, We just don't know when and we just don't know how. But that's inevitable that we will come out on Mm. the other side as we manage. Sure. No, that's uh, reassuring to know. Uh, One of the things uh, I now see a lot of mid to late stage uh, companies, uh, you know, in the SaaS space or product space uh, asking this question often is what does this mean uh, or any crisis for that matter uh, for uh, product roadmaps or for the because everything seems disrupted uh, and everything is in chaos so you you have watched and you have steered product teams in some of the biggest and, and best companies in the world uh, and I'm sure you have had instances of chaos, uh, though I don't wish, I'm sure it was. So how? Wh- what do you think of uh, product journeys? And what do you think product leaders uh, or founders should be doing uh, who are in the middle of this? So it's an excellent question because what the fundamental question you are asking is that how do you think of what the future looks like and how does your product need to morph to be that. And I think brutal honesty becomes so important here. We may have been going gangbusters on a certain product path and a certain product journey. And this new reality may change it completely. So I'll give you an example of this. And I Mm -hmm. I really hope this doesn't happen, but just to, you know, I'll talk in extremes uh, so that to make a point sure let's say that we were busy making a product that required a lot of face-to-face time to explain the value proposition and or also had features that became very valuable to a user when they were face to face with somebody else mm-hmm. okay uh, i'll come up with a very silly product idea let's say it was an ai based emotional uh, sensing product okay that used your phone's camera to understand the person 
and you were selling it in the retail environment in the b2b cases mm. you had you know you have cctvs it would tell you as people were looking at certain products in an aisle if they were happy looking at it if they were unhappy looking at it if they were perplexed at what this was and based on that you could change pricing you could perhaps change packaging and you know there was a lot of data you could provide which would say look your sales would go up 30% doing that mm. right could be an amazing product and it could do it all while preserving the user's privacy etc so you wouldn't get into any of that trouble and yeah. we have technologies that can do emotional sensing using high fidelity images now and and video now right yeah in the new reality it is quite possible that physical stores go away everyone only does everything on e-commerce because you know of the epidemic and social distancing we don't know if we should be in physical spaces anymore and mm. again let's hope that that reality is not a permanent reality but maybe for the next 6 12 18 months that is a reality for all of us sure what do you do now first and <laughs> foremost you have to be brutally honest and acknowledge that you know what in this new reality this product however amazing it may be and whatever great feedback you had gotten up until now in your pilots is not going to be very valuable anymore because the use case has completely changed now the question is can you repurpose it and yeah. one one possible way once you acknowledge it maybe one possible way you think of repurposing it would be to say hey given an e-commerce situations our computers have cameras our phones have cameras now that's a lot more intrusive because mm-hmm. people are giving control of that but can i come up with a clever and interesting way in which they would give up control of that for this particular mm-hmm. buying experience so i could perhaps provide similar if not the exact same value to the mm-hmm. e-commerce provider in this particular case as opposed to the physical retail space mm-hmm. maybe it's possible maybe it's not but that's yeah. how we have to first acknowledge the reality and then see if pivots are necessary and what hmm. to do about hmm. it yeah and and i think the blunt honesty part you are talking about is getting reinforced even here uh, you know yeah yeah because if if you don't acknowledge that there may be issues with the way you're going forward then it's very difficult to change the path hmm so and i have asked this question sorry sorry go on deep go on go no on. no that, that that's fine let's go <laughs> no so i was coming to another product related question because i have asked this question in our last conversation about uh, how do you decide which features to keep and which uh, not to pursue and in these times like they talk about the wartime ceo versus peacetime founder and all that uh How, how would how would you approach uh, an established product, uh, you know, and answer questions about what to build in terms of features and what to not? I mean, is that too simplistic question? How how, how do you approach that? So two parts to it, right? You, you made a statement: wartime CEO, peacetime CEO. I think every CEO has to be a wartime CEO because you are going to war every single day. You are going yeah. to war. uh against your competition you're going to war against you know shortage of resources for everything you want to do you are going to war to try and get the best uh talent in your company and to increase your sales your customer acquisition your user base etc so <laughs> unfortunately for anyone running a company uh 
there is no such thing as a peace time uh, the mm-hmm. environment in which we are hopefully and thankfully may not have a real war or physical war but mm-hmm. what we do every day as entrepreneurs uh, is nothing short of war uh, you know yeah. in a metaphorical sense right in terms of what features etc i think crises like this sometimes jolt us to look at the data that's usually staring us in our face so mm-hmm. you know i don't recall the exact answer i gave you but i think i know what i would have said when you asked me mm-hmm. that question the last time we spoke and that would be look we have data that is telling us every single day what features are valuable and what are not Yeah. The challenge is that we don't acknowledge that data because we have our favorites. We hmm. we believe uh, that we are all Steve Jobs and that you know the customer doesn't know what they want until I tell you what you want. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, there was only one Steve Jobs, and <laughs> the rest of us mere mortals uh, need to actually you know ask our customers and more importantly keep listening to what they are telling us by virtue of how they are using our products. Yeah. So I'll give you a good example of this in. Hmm. in the 2008 crisis uh mm-hmm. you know one of the companies that was pretty high flying and doing quite well until then was a company called admob and mm-hmm. admob used to sell uh, ads for people who had mobile properties so think of them as basically doing google adwords but not for pcs at that time but also for mm-hmm. mobile devices and Hmm. So at that point in time, Google had a very small fledgling business in mobile advertising. So AdMob was one of hmm. the bigger players. After the 2008 aftermath, a lot of young startups and companies went under, and so their hmm. business pretty much tanked overnight. And you know, I I've heard this story from Ali Dia, who's now an entrepreneur. We backed in his next company, and he used to be the VP of product at AdMob at that time. Okay. Hmm. and what ali said is that even as their core business of providing ads to mobile browser based sites was plummeting he kept looking at that data and saying is there any ray of hope here and he found it in the form of a customer a small customer they had in new zealand that was still doing about 2 to 3 million dollars of advertising a year and he's like wow that's interesting the whole world has collapsed and this company seems to be doing well what are they doing and it turned out that it was a company that was building iphone apps and okay. and just simple games casual games on iphones and their games were doing quite well despite the economic turmoil and they continued to you know use the admob advertising platform and they were doing quite well and that's when ali and you know omar who is the ceo of admob they said oh maybe we need to repurpose our platform in order to support iphone apps not just mm. mobile browsers and then admob went on to become you know a fairly important company in that space eventually google bought them out for a lot of money so i think the moral of the story is that you know when one part of commerce one part of usage for our products goes down there's always another part and it may be related to us or it may be unrelated to us that comes up mm. and the, mm. the question for us is that are we looking for those signs those green shoots that are beginning to emerge even amongst this disaster and are we positioned to take advantage of that <laughs> yeah so well said <laughs> really well said thank you deep if 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 i go back 
past 27 minutes of our conversation there's a lot of things you have said that would make up uh, a good survivors checklist if if i may uh, if if you were to hand pick 3 to 5 top things that will make a survivors uh, checklist what would be there so that's a good question and this is something that i have given quite a bit of thought to because uh, i am helping entrepreneurs in about 15 companies that are part of softbank's portfolio that mm-hmm. i have led investments in so i had to give it some thought i had to talk to them about it and there were three things that i came up with and mm-hmm. you know they may not be unique but they are a good framework and i got good feedback sure. from our founders about that framework the very first thing which i cannot emphasize enough is care care for yourself care for your family care for your team until you know that people you who are around you that you really care about are okay it's very difficult in a crisis to take the next step and this care is physical care you know staying healthy if it's emotional care having mental health well-being if it means you know leading a meditation session with your entire team every day if it means mm-hmm. you know going out for a walk and just listening to the birds if it means you know reading a book whatever that might be Mm-hmm. Uh, it also means being generous and that is such a difficult statement to make in the times right now when things are difficult to have right companies mm-hmm. don't have runway they don't have capital uh, people mm-hmm. may be fighting over that last uh, you know bag of rice in a grocery store they may not be getting milk yeah. for their young children but yeah. generosity is not about dollars and cents it's about mindset Mm. it's about do i have something that would be so much more beneficial to the next person if that is mm. case can i do that for them not being nature in our reactions you know this is not the time to make our teams work twice as much for half the pay which mm. some companies may choose to do because they are like no you know we mm. otherwise we have to fire people and so let's all work hard let's work 7 days a week but mm. when you are worried about your very existence when you are worried about your loved ones around you and whether you can even if you had the means you may not be able to put food on the table because it's just not available it is difficult to spend all your time thinking mm-hmm. about work so it's a paradox but you know if we go back to the core that everything has to come from care a place of caring and compassion i think it's the great first step the second step then is continuity mm-hmm. you have to think about you know how you're going to stay in business how are you going to extend mm-hmm. your runway you know do you need to pivot to something that's more meaningful and viable right now this was the e-commerce mm-hmm. example the made up example that i gave yeah right and you want to involve your company and people around you to say hey we need to continue our business what are the best ideas we have and you will be shocked mm-hmm. because you know the sales person is out in the field talking to customers every day will probably have a much better sense of what the customer really wants today because of their relationship mm-hmm. because, because of their interactions then perhaps the ceo sitting in the office and really mm-hmm. listening and thinking and coming up with a joint continuity plan is important and the final thing and the final part of that framework is longevity how do you come mm-hmm. out of this stronger than ever you know staying alive is a good first step but that's not the only step 
we have to have a three, six, 12 month plan and strategy, which is even better than staying alive and having continuity in our business. And this is, I think, also equally important in our personal lives. There was a story, I don't know whether it was substantiated or not, saying that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was a spike in divorces in China after uh, the crisis sort of ebbed because people, you know, they were not used to being with each other for so long, cooped up in small apartments and tempers flared and people started seeing the worst in each other. And I don't know if the story Mm. is true or false, but I think there's an important kernel of truth in there, which is we have to use this time to make the relationships in our lives stronger by seeing the good in each other and then, you know, talking through the things that we don't like about each other so that when we come out of this and we go back to our normal ways in quotation marks of doing things, we do it with a renewed understanding of each other. So, Mm. you know, so I would summarize the three steps really as being emotional in our interactions and hyper-rational in our actions. (laughs) No, this this is again a good one, especially the last one. Uh, And yeah, I'm going to look up uh, about the China divorces spike to find out if there is, it's a fact, but I can, I I can understand illustratively, uh, you know, uh, what it means, even if it's not true. Hmm. Uh, one on a more final note, uh, the uh, one of the questions that again many founders are asking uh, is, should I go on? Uh, because this has also brought a situation wherein there are tough questions uh, that are coming up uh, about whether they should stay invested. Uh, so I, I know there cannot be a perfect answer to a question like this. And if there is, I, I'm very thrilled to hear it. But what what would be the signals uh, that can help uh, someone decide or make a decision around, should I give it in or continue? And I think that's an amazing question that most founders actually don't ask themselves. So I'm glad that you're seeing more founders asking that question. You know, it turns out that many companies shouldn't be companies. They should just be product ideas. Many products shouldn't be products. They should just be features in existing products. And, Mm. you know, as entrepreneurs, we believe we start with a kernel of an idea and we try to blossom those kernels into something that's bigger. So a feature can become a product, a product can become a company, and a company can become Mm. a very successful enterprise. And that's how entrepreneurship works, and I'm supportive of it, and I have participated in that. But these kinds of crises really give us an ability to pause and reflect and say that the original objectives, the original vision, the original idea I had, is it still relevant in today's day and age? If it's not relevant in its entirety, is it relevant in some partial form? And if it's not relevant at all, then what does this enterprise have to become? Because the enterprise is not just the idea, it's also the people and the resources and the experiences you've built trying to get to that idea. Is there value in the team that you've built? Is there value in the experiences you've accumulated and the knowledge of the market space that you can now repurpose and pivot, as in the AdMob example? Right. They stayed in mobile advertising, but they went from browser-based to apps, which at that time, by the way, was a huge technology leap and a very big change mm. because people weren't mm. sure at 
the end of 2007, early 2008, uh, whether apps were going to be a big thing yet or not. So they were making a big pivot at that point in time. So I think asking yourself, being brutally honest, encouraging your team to ask these questions, knowing fully well that you know they will start worrying for their jobs if they if they see that the founder or the CEO is you know perhaps asking existential questions, but nevertheless important questions. How do you generate that uh, constructive? conversation and that brutal honesty amongst your team and with your founder set becomes very important. The final question I would ask, and this is a very important question to ask ourselves uh, as founders, as entrepreneurs, etc., is in these difficult times, will we be scared to death or scared to life? Hmm. Hmm. Very well put. <laughs> very very well put actually thank you and you know before i let you go deep uh, and and i i know this question i would have asked in this conversation in in roundabout ways uh, so i'm, I'm I, but it, it's a diff, i i feel it it's a different ask but still uh, from what you see around us deep how do you think this crisis is going to mold or remold us as individuals, as companies. Uh, you know, people are talking of mass extinction of startups. A uh, lot of things, people are already imagining how they will not exist or, or change. But if you were to pick two, three key defining things, as you see today, uh, that will mold or remold us as individuals, and companies as enterprises or companies, what would be two, three of those things? I don't even think there are two or three things. There's perhaps one fundamental thing, in my opinion, which is how do we explain our place in the universe? And, uh, you know, let me elaborate on that. Sure. In general, when we are running very hard, you know, our whole world revolves around ourselves, right? As individuals, our companies, our family units, etc. For us, that is the most important reality of existence. Everything else is there to support that reality and existence. Yeah. With today's uncertain times, that reality has been completely jolted. And it is changed, and it has changed. It will change us forever, hopefully mm. in positive ways, but sometimes in negative ways. We will have scars, physical, emotional, otherwise, and we have two choices. We can view those scars as ugly marks that we need to somehow pretend didn't happen or didn't exist or cover them mm. up, or we can view them as badges of honor and a proof of our resilience. The mm. scar that a Jawan gets on the front lines because of a bullet, that's a sign of resilience, that's a sign, that's a badge of honor. The scar that a breast cancer survivor gets on her chest, that's a sign of survival, that's a sign of resilience, that's a sign of courage that she displayed through that entire ordeal. And her loved ones and her family around her did the same. So 
I think this is a time of reflection for us to think about what we are going to take away from this brief period in history forward in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones. I'll end with, you know, one thought uh, that I've had many times. You know, in Hindu philosophy and Indian philosophy in general, when people die, uh, we get cremated. And then people do different things with those ashes. Sometimes people keep them in urns and, you know, in a sacred and a private place in their home. Sometimes they go and spread those ashes uh, in holy rivers. Uh, some people spread them over mountains. Uh, you know, I've many times thought, what would I want to do with my ashes? And, you know, time and again, my thought comes back. I would love for them to be strewn in my backyard, in my garden, because I love going out there. It gives me a lot of peace. My roses, the different flowers and trees that we have lovingly planted over the years. And I would want my ashes to continue nourishing something that I cherish so much. And I think that is the fundamental thing we should take away. Whether, you know, metaphorically we survive this crisis or not. Physically, I hope that we all do, but metaphorically, in terms of our companies, the things that we built around us, some of them will get damaged financially and economically. Do we want that lack of survival or that creative destruction to then foster new creativity into the future? So, you know, my company Did didn't survive after 9-11. But the thoughts and ideas and reflections that I had from there, I was able to then channel into other entrepreneurs and other companies and other enterprises in the future. And I hope it fostered more creativity and more constructive outcomes for those companies. It didn't work well for my baby and something that I had created, but it helped other people's babies and other creative forces that were unleashed in the world subsequently. I think if we have that outlook, saying whether we survive or not survive today, can what we've learned and our creative destruction help foster more creativity and more constructive forces in the future, then I think we as humanity would have gone through this phase in a very positive way. It's a privilege to talk to you again. You as well, Pankaj. Thank you for reaching out. I and mean, I hope this is uh, helpful and valuable. You take care. Bye-bye.